Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling, award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Well, could there be more news on many different domestic and international fronts than there was this past week? I don't know if that's possible. I have a really interesting series of historical shows for you. And we're going to start it this week. It'll probably go two, maybe three weeks. But it is the history of the... Should we say the elitist plan for world depopulation? That's right, population control. Oh, yes, I know some of you are, you just cocked your head to the side and you're going, "Uh uh-oh, conspiracy theory. Well, first of all, let me remind you that every quote-unquote conspiracy theory, which is the first thing if you listen to our our history of PSYOPs on the rightsideradio.com shows, there were five of them, the first thing they do to try and discredit something with merit is to call it a conspiracy theory. And every single quote-unquote conspiracy theory that this show has brought you for 11 years has proved to be exactly true. And I might add, we were the first on virtually every occasion to bring it to American airwaves. This, however, is more than just a theory. There are actual government documents which have been declassified, and you will find them... I'll put it mildly, you'll find them shocking. It will also kind of bring into focus a lot of things that have been going on the last four or five years. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we start that. And of course, at the end of this first segment, we'll have the rest of the story. It'll make you think. All the links, by the way, all the government documents that I'm going to reference in this story, you can read them for yourself. I mean, it's just black and white English. All the links will be on the website. It'll be clearly marked upper right-hand corner of the homepage. And yet another station in the On the Right Side Radio National Syndicate, WXKG, 1430 AM, 105.5 FM, down there in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Georgia. We're also going to be covering another tidbit or two of the amazing Chinese Silk Road Initiative. I mean, that's a gift of dubious merit to the United States, and it's intended to be of dubious merit to the United States and to the Western world, that's going to keep on giving. And they are rocking and rolling on it. Wait to hear today's little installment. And then we're going to have a huge, monstrous rat-a-tat-tat. All sorts of things popping on the Biden corruption front. I mean, I really think these guys have a problem right now. The Hunter Biden plea deal nonsense, and it it just keeps on going. 20 to $30 million in cash bribes, some of them paid directly to Joe Biden, corroborated by witnesses and corroborated by recordings. My, my, my. Let's see what happens with all that kind of good stuff, shall we? And we're going to have several rat-a-tat-tats in here, which are going to tie right in to the historical story today and next week. Population control. The wish list of the elites of the world. And how about our founder's quote? This is Benjamin Franklin. A nation of well-informed men who have been taught to know and prize the rights which God has given them cannot be enslaved. It is the region of ignorance that tyranny begins. How true. And that is exactly why, folks, On the Right Side Radio exists. 
And how about our ranch story? This is going to be a short one, but I think punchy and powerful. So you've heard me complain for the last few months. Well, not complain. No rancher ever complains about water. But you've heard me comment on how much water we had, how we couldn't get hay done, how things were wetter than hell. Well, the weather has turned with a vengeance. It's now, quite remarkably for the high country of Wyoming, 90 to 98 degrees. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the rat-a-tat-tat because it ain't what the climate people tell you. And now we've gone from having to dump water, literally get rid of water on the ranch, we had too much, get it back to the creek, to conserving every drop so that we can get a second cutting and get it properly irrigated to maximize the yield. And what is the moral of this story? Because of this overnight change, I mean literally overnight change, change is the only constant in your life, and it can happen suddenly and with a vengeance. Let's get started with the first part of our historical story on population control and depopulation of the planet. There's this report. It's called the NSSM 200. Once again, all these links, government documents, are right on the website. And I want you to sit back and think about all the things that in a modern society you need to sustain life. You need food. You need water. You need shelter. You need energy. Energy to cook. For, for hygienic purposes, for transportation, and for heat. Think about heating and cooling. Your HVAC system. Lots of people keel over in high heat without proper cooling, and even more people freeze to death without proper heating. And think about this in the context of all that. Oh, and you need health, right? I mean, health is obviously a mainstay, a main ingredient, a foundation of all these other elements of survival, of life on the current planet Earth. But I want you to think even further than that as I tell you this uh, historical story, <laughs> this, this rather shattering historical story, because there's an economic equation to life too, right? You need money. You need some type of means of exchange so that you can buy all these other services that are necessary to life. And as we all know, the Western world, the entirety of the Western world, is highly indebted. $34 trillion underwater primary debt in the United States, another estimated $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities. And what are those unfunded liabilities, which are almost four to five times the primary national debt that you hear about? Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, VA benefits? Yeah. And what does that represent? You know, that represents about 75% of the unfunded liabilities of the United States. The rest is made up of government pensions and all that type of stuff. But do you see a correlation between all these? All of these are pretty much for the lower class or the quote-unquote elderly, those over 60, 65, whatever the age break is on the particular program. So think about, as we go through this historical story, how many birds you kill with one stone. And that's really, you know, not a metaphor so much. If you depopulate the planet, and particularly if you depopulate the planet, starting with the older folks who are so expensive. First of all, let me tell you about a guy by the name of Gavin DeBecker, excellent author, unbelievable researcher, and Robert Malone, who developed the mRNA platform that the jabs were based on. He's totally anti-jab. I mean, he thinks like you and I do, and he had never intended his invention to be used in the lethal and insidious way that it was. But this information is gleaned from Gavin's writings and Malone's writings. 
And I'm going to direct you to the website, ontherightsideradio.com. When you have a chance, you click on the links to the National Security Study Memorandum NSSM 200, also known as the Kissinger Report, and the National Security Directive Memorandum 314, which is named Implications of Worldwide Population Growth for U.S. Security and Overseas Interest, 112675. And wait till we get to the rest of the story, folks. Oh, yes. So on June 8th, 1973, at 10.30 a.m. exactly, at Ambassador Porter's office at the State Department, there was a big meeting. Lots of important mucky mucks, senators, you name it, were all and military were all in attendance. There was a guy there by the name of General Draper and several admirals who thought like he did. And they basically presented their views to the State Department that the population explosion in developing countries was a threat to U.S. interests in economics and in the development of those countries. And it also presented a danger to our politics and to our military. And this meeting was based on a memorandum that had been written by a General Taylor, who basically stated that the rapid growth of populations in developing countries was a highly likely future source of internal violence and possibilities of external aggression. And this written, this paper was written, and remember this when we get to the rest of the story, in consultation with a General Snowcroft, who happened to be in Henry Kissinger's office. And this preliminary meeting was to put together a more comprehensive study by the National Security Council, an NSC study. And through the course of this meeting, the conversations, which Gavin has really well outlined, there must have been transcripts or notes, but basically the ambassador, Mr. Porter, you know, the elite that he is, He felt that our population programs, our population control programs, were just not closely enough connected to our overall aid programs. They were too separate. And basically, what this group discussed was, in the context of this more comprehensive study they wanted the NSC to do, was linking funds and food with depopulation and population control programs. They even discussed Porter's experience in Korea, and that was one of the very first population control programs on the planet at that time. And one of the things which concerned him was they found that at the government level, the federal level in Korea, there was a strong program. But when you went to a local level, the village level, the charts showed that people weren't following it at all. In fact, Korea had a pretty much unstated principle that you didn't stop having kids until you had at least two sons because you needed two sons to run the farm. They also discussed their conversations with Brezhnev, then heading the Soviet Union, right? And birth control for China. And they came up with kind of three important steps and some overall objectives. Number one, linking the bribe of food and money with the stick of population control. Number two, talking with the Soviets so that we could cooperate with them on a positive approach to the World Population Conference. Number three, what kind of threat not controlling population, particularly in non-Western countries, posed for quote-unquote world peace? And number four, the exclusion of oral contraceptives from the 40% limitation on American international aid to the international aid funds. I want you to think about that for just a moment. One of the senators at that meeting, his name was Tidings, T-Y-D-I-N-G-S, brought up, gee, what are we going to do domestically? Oh, well, so I guess the population control thought was, you know, a little bit more than just the developing world. And Tidings thought that state 
and AID, right, the international development arm of the American government that uh, sends out the money, were, should be the leaders of all the other departments of government. And he brought up that the present generation, remember back, this is in the early 70s, of contraceptive was not adequate for the needs of people in diverse rural societies, including America. There was a great need for research, but it wasn't being adequately supported by the U.S. government. And in the end, this group, kind of led by General Taylor, by the way, in this point, agreed that the NSC study that they wanted to see done, so this was official, if you know what I mean, not just them all talking in a cigar-filled room. The NSC study should include a study of the domestic American scene from the standpoint of the effects of family planning programs. Can you spell Planned Parenthood, folks? Can you spell abortion? And then they discussed how they might get this done while the NSC was getting its caca together for the formal review. And there happened to be a aid bill that had been proposed by 22 members of the House Foreign Affairs Committee right at that moment. In fact, that may have prompted this meeting. I don't know. And they were very concerned, this group, that the aid bill authorized funds for population and broad health subjects together. They weren't separate. And authorized only $150 million for the two unseparated health concerns. And number two, they really felt strongly that we needed to earmark in this bill additional monies strictly related for population-related funding. By the way, several weeks later, he testified before the Foreign Affairs Committee, and he urged the committee to leave $125 million earmarked for populations programs and to transfer the other $25 million, which was in the bill, to general health, food, and nutrition-type matters. Which brings us to the NSC study and what's known as the Kissinger Report, which is the NSSM 200 government document that you are more than welcome. In fact, I urge you to at least skim it. And this was a classified report at that time. It didn't get unclassified till much, much later. You know, hush, hush, hush. And the Kissinger Report was undertaken at the direction of President Nixon. And it laid out, as you will see for yourself, detailed plans for population reduction and control in many countries. In fact, this plan became the official U.S. policy in 1975 through the National Security Decision 314 document, also a link on the website, which was enacted and signed by President Gerald Ford. And to boil it down, the policies that emanated from these reports and Nixon's command and Ford's eventual order basically boiled down to how the United States could use population control to prevent undeveloped nations from gaining substantial political power. Coupled with a belief, I might add, that future generations born in those, you know, third world countries, posed a danger to, quote, wealth accumulation, unquote. Needless to say, this new policy approach, still hush-hush, but, you know, within the inner circle well-known, was heartily endorsed by the elite, by the wealthy individuals in the United States. <laughs> the population of the United States was unaware, as was, to be honest with you, most of Congress. And finally, they hoped that their plan would also, quote, protect American businesses abroad from interference from nations seeking to support their growing populations, unquote. In other words, nationalizing American businesses. And whereas, as this report discusses, war was the historical means to reduce an adversary's population, the Kissinger report, oh, it was more strategic. It was uh, much better disguised on purpose. 
And it was specifically targeted at countries that could pose long-term risk to U.S. economic and military interests. Let me give you a little quote from Wikipedia. How's that? NSSM 200 was reworked and adopted as official United States policy through NSDM 314 by President Gerald Ford on November 26, 1975. It was initially classified for over a decade, but was obtained by researchers in the early 1990s. The memorandum and subsequent policies developed from the report were observed as a way the United States could use human population reduction to limit the political power of undeveloped nations, ensure the easy extraction of foreign natural resources, prevent young anti-establishment individuals from even being born, and to protect American businesses abroad from interference, etc., etc., unquote. And the Kissinger Report, NSSM 200, incorporated kind of two major objectives. Number one, actions to accommodate continued population growth. Now listen to these numbers, folks. I want you to really think about this. Up to 6 billion by the mid-21st century. We are in the 21st century, folks, without massive starvation or total frustration of developmental hopes. In other words, keep them docile while you're controlling their population. B, actions to keep the ultimate level as close as possible to 8 billion rather than permitting it to reach 10 billion, 13 billion or more. What is the current population of the planet? Oh, that's right, 8-something billion. And when did we start approaching that 8 billion? Oh, that's right. 2019 and 2020, right before the COVID conjure. Mm-hmm. If you take this major objective, not to exceed 8 billion humans on the planet Earth, you combine with the, that with the fact that we actually hit the 8 billion mark in 2022, um, that might help you understand the quote-unquote urgency of all these planned and seemingly unplanned but definitely organized actions over the past three plus or minus years, don't you think? I mean, think about COVID lockdowns, COVID jabs. These lockdowns, and we're going to talk more about this in the rat-a-tat-tat because they're planning this for climate stuff too, as you'll see. These lockdowns actually greatly increased the number of people at risk of starvation and death on the planet, right? They couldn't go to work. They couldn't earn money. They couldn't buy food. They couldn't produce food. At the beginning of the COVID nonsense... The number of people at risk of starvation on the planet was around 135 million. By the end of 2021, that had increased another 135 million to 270 million people. And then in 2022, right, that's just four or five months ago, folks, it increased another 67 million. I mean, basically, you are at almost a third of a billion people at extreme risk for starvation. Now think about what's happening with the Russian grain deal and the Ukrainian grain deal and India limiting rice exports as of three days ago to basically zero. And India supplies 25% of the world's rice. Do you think this is all just coincidental? Well, let's continue and then you can make a decision. Right now, there's about 10 million people a year, 10 million, dying from starvation in the world, 3 million of them children. And of course, I don't need to point out to you that 3 million children are 3 million humans that are not going to procreate. By the way, in the Kissinger report, they actually went into great depth on contraceptive sterilization and all sorts of other things that they wanted to, should we say, get done, you know, get her done out there on the planet and here in the United States, including fertility and contraceptive research. Biomedical research was doubled under this plan. 
field testing of existing quote-unquote technology, development of quote-unquote new technology, oral contraceptives, interuterine devices, sterilization of men and women, hormone treatments, injectable contraceptives for women, male contraceptives, in particular an injection, I might add, which would be effective for specified periods of time, injections which would keep women on a regular menstrual cycle. And the report, think about my historical story on PSYOPs, folks. The report proposed, at that time innovatively proposed, the idea of incorporating this birth control, population control, into, and I quote, the context of broader health services, unquote, in order to make these reductions in population, quote, more acceptable to leaders and individuals who, for a variety of reasons, some ideological, some humanitarian, object to family planning, unquote. And the report specifically recommended that all these things be undertaken in what was called the least developed countries, LDCs. I quote, We must take care that our activities should not be given the appearance to the LDCs of an industrialized country policy directed against the LDCs. <laughs> well, how's that for a smoking gun and an admission? And now for the rest of the story, which I think you'll find <laughs> rather amazing. So think about all the things which have occurred over the last three years, particularly, but the last five, the last ten. Think about Planned Parenthood. Think about the Roe, and by the way, that's not a pun, the Roe over abortion. Think about the disclosures of Bill Gates and his organization Gavi's worldwide vaccine campaign and what occurred in African countries and in India where he's barred from even, even crossing the border. Think about how he pushed the COVID vaccine. Think about how everybody pushed the COVID vaccine, particularly the governments and the WHO, the World Health Organization. And the United Nations, you know, all the globalist outfits run by the same wealthy elites who are really kind of descendants of those people back there in the early 70s who put together this plan. Here's the real clincher, because we're going to talk much more about this next week. We're going to talk about the World Health Organization, the United Nations, other governmental and non-governmental organizations who are involved in all this. Some more details on these actual government documents. Remember the links on the rightsideradio.com. Read them for yourself. I think we can all agree, given this history, that the real father of this was Henry Kissinger. Oh, yes, everybody, General Taylor and all those folks ran around and kind of, you know, put the scrap heap together, but he molded it into the policy and the documents, the actual government documents that it is today. And you know, you know who Henry Kissinger is a mentor to? In fact, the primary mentor of a guy by the name of Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. You will own nothing and you will be happy. But more on all that next week and how our friends BlackRock and that whole shadow banking crew are involved also. Let me give you some more rather jaw-dropping tidbits on China's incredible Silk Road project. So obviously some of the environmental groups, although not as stridently as against the United States, because poor China's, they're just a developing nation and they're a non-white race and, you know, all the rest of the nonsense. Some of the big environmental organizations on the planet are concerned about what China is doing on their Silk and Belt Road Initiative. And they think that the BRI, the Belt Road Initiative, presents significant risks but also opportunities for sustainable development. You know, those key words in the 2030 plan, the 2030 agenda. And they're complaining about the fact that China, once again, very cleverly, is outsourcing all these 
pollution problems, these environmental degradation problems, to the countries in which they're investing or they are loaning money to to do these projects. So they can say, well, it's not me, they're in charge. And in the meantime, they've been mollycoddled at the Paris Accords. They've been mollycoddled in the United Nations. And for all the hoops that the Biden administration is trying to put us through, wait to hear the rat-a-tat-tat, there's even more. The coal projects that are part of the Silk Road Initiative account for 42% of China's overseas investment in 2018, 2019, etc. Coal. And 93% of the Belt and Road energy investments are in fossil fuels. What do the Chinese know that, you know, the American left either knows and pretends they don't or doesn't know? And Chinese leader Xi, you know, is very, very clever. He knows all the buzzwords. So while he's getting all this help, he's getting this admiration, although with some trepidation from these environmental groups. Let me give you his quote. He wants to, quote, pursue the new vision of green development and a way of life and work that is green, low carbon, circular, and sustainable in accordance with the goals of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, unquote. Oh, I just gave you the stats, folks. (laughs) Talk about psyops. And listen, it gets better because these environmental groups are so worried about poor little China having to struggle under all these environmental guidelines. Oh, my. And all these poor developing countries. They have now proposed, because, you know, money is free and we're not broke. They have now proposed that the United Nations Development Program and American dollars get funded to the Belt and Road Initiative and the countries that are part of that initiative for environmental protection. So long, of course, this is the caveat, as it's used to provide green trade, green finance, and green investment in alignment with each country's implementation of the sustainable development goals, unquote. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to see one penny of my tax dollars going anywhere like that. In fact, I'm not happy about where they go right now. How about you? And they've also proposed that you know, the Western countries, because they're so solid economically right now, that they loan money or they give money to all these poor, struggling Belt and Road Initiative countries, BRICS wannabes, so that they can fulfill their obligations under the Paris Agreement and have lots of renewable energy sources, folks, such as solar power. By the way, just as another little thought, because we're going to go into it next week. So if you don't have power then what happens to your heat and your refrigeration and your sanitation and your ability to even pump water, to even obtain water, to your transportation, to your health? Well, kind of goes downhill. Maybe you even die, huh? You know, upcoming in the rat-a-tat-tat, I'm going to tell you a little story because Biden is now after more of your gas appliances. They want it all electric, even though we know that the electric grid can't even power the paltry number of EV cars on the road right now. Hmm, what would happen if we ran out of power? Do you think more people would live or more people would die? But I digress. China is basically talking the good game and doing whatever the hell they want. And they're doing exactly the right thing for them and exactly what we should be doing for us. And while they give the uh, cheek song and the buzzwords to keep the lefties and the greenies in the Western countries that they aim to replace (laughs) or simply eliminate happy They're investing like crazy in countries around the globe. Let me give you some examples. All these deals they have with countries are private deals. Nobody knows what's going on, and China doesn't want them to know. Here are the investments they have made 
This is just from 2014 to 2018. Most economists, most specialists in this area think that these have tripled or quadrupled and expanded by double or triple the countries. Pakistan, 31.9 billion. Nigeria, 23 billion. Bangladesh, 17 billion. Indonesia, 17 billion. Malaysia, 16 billion. Egypt, 15 billion. United Arab Emirates, 15 billion. Singapore, 24 billion. Malaysia, 14 billion. The Russian Federation, oh yes, of course, 10 billion. Indonesia, 9 billion. South Korea, 8 billion. Israel, you know, our ally, 8 billion. And Pakistan, 7.5 billion. How about some rat-a-tat-tat? And as I go through these, keep in mind what we went over at the beginning of this show. What do you need to live? Shelter, food, health, procreation, obviously, for continuation of the species. Those uh, helpful little stipends from the government if you're elderly, Social Security, Medicare, etc. Food supplies, heat, light, power, transportation, fuel, oh yeah, and of course, economics. And remember that all these articles, in depth, are on the website, on the right side, radio.com. So let's get started. As I mentioned earlier in the show, India has cut off all rice exports. India is, not, if not the largest, one of the largest producers of rice on the planet. It supplies 25% of global rice supplies. As I told you last week, Russia has stopped its grain export deal. And of course, the Ukraine grain, which was 17% or so of total supply, Russia is about 22% of the world supply, that's kind of out of action because of the war, which, who? let's see, who got that going? Oh, that's right, the Western countries. Listen to the history of Ukraine last week on the rightsideradio.com. And additionally, Russia has attacked all the silos, the grain storage silos, outside of the port of Odessa, which is where the grain was being shipped. How convenient for the Western countries. They forced Russia into a, an act, and they get to blame Russia down the road when people are starving, even though they precipitated Russia's action. And it looks like we're on pace to set yet another record of millions of illegal aliens. By the way, they're trying to change that word (laughs) in libraries and in books. Unbelievable. Illegal aliens flooding across our borders. Let's see what happens when you have a finite supply of resources and you add like 7 million people to the mix. Ah, I think there's less to go around. 2,500 Marines were sent to the Straits of Hormuz because Iran seems to be seizing oil tankers of various nationalities. Oh, well, we can't have that. We're good enough. (laughs) This administration is good enough to be cutting off its oil supply without any Iranian help, as you shall see in some upcoming rat-a-tat-tats here shortly. On the economic front, because, you know, if you don't have a job and you don't have money, you can't buy those things that are needed to live. The leading indicators are now down for 15 months in a row. That's almost a record. Tax receipts to the United States government have fallen precipitously. And by precipitously, they can't they won't really give you a number, but most folks think it's twenty or so percent. Oh, that should help the deficit. Corporate debt is at an all time record high, globally and in the United States. Corporate bankruptcies in the United States are the highest since two thousand ten. We've now surpassed one trillion dollars in credit card debt, which by the way <laughs> that carries interest rates of, you know, somewhere between 19 and 29%. And the $1.3 trillion automobile loan problem is growing. More and more delinquencies. Savings rates are now down to 2%. All the money seems to be gone. 
from all that stimulus stuff which started this inflation and mess to begin with. And ironically, a recent study by University of Michigan shows consumer sentiment is up. Now, why would that be? That's because of the false signals that the stock market is sending, right? Ever record high stock market stuff fueled by federal bank cash, not by any value in the companies, not by any earnings. So there's a false sense of security for you. You know, (laughs) that kind of ties in with a, a story I need to bring you, FedNow, which is really the transfer system of funds. And of course, they're extolling its virtues. It's 24-7. It's faster than lightning. It's just wonderful. It's going to promote commerce. It's the forerunner to the CBDC. We've talked about that. So far, 35 banks are using it and 110 have signed up. Don't worry, there'll be lots more because they're going to be pressured in one way or the other to do so. And there was a story at the same time that FedNow emerged, which was Monday, by the way, out of Brazil. It seems that a software developer kind of reverse engineered the CBDC that Brazil just came out with. And he found that they have the ability to freeze a taxpayer's funds. Oh, great. And adjust balances that have been built into your CBDC account. Laura Labs founder, Pedro Magalas, found it. And this was confirmed by a Brazilian journalist, Vinny Barbosa. And he said that the Central Bank of Brazil confirmed to him the finding that the software developer had when he reverse engineered. Quote, the central bank confirmed its plans to keep the functions that allow the monetary authority and authorized entities, oh, you mean FBI, CIA, to freeze user accounts, decrease targeted addresses and balances, and mint new units, in other words, different values, folks, of the digital currency. The ability to freeze or arrest amounts held in this system is protected by current legislation in Brazil, according to the central bank, unquote. Think about the money you have in your 401ks and your IRAs that you're feeling so good about right now because the stock market has been artificially inflated. Just saying. Remember, too, that student loan repayment, despite the shenanigans and trying to get out of the Supreme Court ruling that the Biden administration is undertaking, are due to start the end of August. $45 billion out of the economic mainstream. And I have a great video for you on housing. You know, housing prices have actually gone up in some markets. This guy is terrific. I think he's really one of the best. And that will be under family safety and under the audio bar plus rat-a-tat-tat. You should listen to it. He kind of has his caca together. Once again, you might be looking at a false sense of security. And for all of us, I hope you're not. And keeping in mind our historical story, the first part of it, which is about depopulation and controlling population, The Environmental Protection Agency, you know, the same outfit ignoring the court's orders. The Department of Energy, Department of Transportation, and Department of Housing and Urban Development, they've done a study, and they think that keeping people in their homes is a surefire way to combat climate change. Oh, well, that sounds great. Quote, nearly all greenhouse gas emissions from transportation need to be eliminated by 2050. Unquote. And most of that, they say, is going to come from the prohibition or lesser use of gas-powered vehicles. And as part of this, they need to slash the number of commuting miles that Americans drive. So they're promoting, quote, an increase in remote work and virtual engagements, unquote. That should be great for the commercial real estate market, which could tank the banks. And of course, they're extolling the perceived convenience that the plan will deliver by compelling people to remain in their home, quote, 
The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted major opportunities for telework, with some studies showing the possibility of 10% long-term reduction in annual vehicle miles traveled, unquote. By the way, the plan also calls for remote access to medical services. What could go wrong there? I mean, you know, talk to the doctor over Zoom, and if you don't live well, you know, that's kind of part of the plan, too. And remote education, despite reams of evidence now as to what happened to students in the two years of the COVID nonsense. And along those lines, and along the lines of our historical story, and along the lines of the ranch story, you know, change is inevitable and it can happen instantaneously. It seems that the British government, oh, you mean like all the Western world's governments, are applying methods that were used to mass engineer hysteria during the pandemic. And they're now applying them to climate change. There's a gal by the name of Laura Dodsworth Saturday. And she discussed her new book, Free Your Mind. According to the UK government's website, the Scientific Pandemic Insights Group on Behaviors, that's the SPIB, quote, provides independent expert social and behavioral science advice to the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies when activated. And by the way, on their own website, it says, quote, strategies for behavior change to support control of and recovery from the epidemic and associated government policy. Behavioral and sociological drivers of the COVID-19 epidemic and the monitoring of social and behavioral interventions. Anyway, this gal, Laura Dodgeworth Saturday, she got in touch with some of the high mucky mucks and she asked what the plan was for getting the British public back to normal after after the pandemic. When are you going to de-elevate people's fear? And the response was, quote, what do you mean get people back to normal? We're going from COVID into a climate crisis. People have to reduce their carbon, unquote. She went a little further, okay, because I've enlisted, and this is part of the behavioral changes, the mainstream media folks, which we already knew, of course. So they're using the news networks for climate fear programming. For instance, a car on fire might be headlined, car bursts into flames on L.A. freeway in blistering heat wave, unquote, etc., etc., etc. And not to be outdone, the Biden administration, it's amazing how all this happens like right at once, don't you think? They just gave birth to a new department in the White House, the Pandemic Planning Response Department. Oh, I thought we were over the pandemic. And the response department is responsible, shall we say, for many things like the British SPIB is responsible for all of a sudden. Speaking of the Bidens, the Hunter Biden plea agreement seems to have disintegrated. Too bad, so sad. And along the way, and I don't think you've heard this anywhere, one of the things that pissed off that judge, besides the fact a whole bunch of information is coming out about the Bidens, Joe's involvement, Hunter's graft, corruption, and treason, it seems that the Biden defense team impersonated the attorney for the Republican committee investigating the Bidens and called the court, misrepresenting who they were, and told them that they wanted the 400 pages of IRS whistleblower information stricken from the record. Well, the court caught on because they called to confirm with the Republican committee, and the Republican committee said no such thing. Obviously, misrepresenting, or shall we say blatantly lying, committing fraud and perjury to a federal court is not something that's going to make a judge happy. And you know what? That's good. We've also learned, by the way, that the Bidens had set up 21 to 23 shell companies, LLCs, that did nothing but launder money. That's how the big guy got his millions of dollars of direct bribes and how Hunter got his 
millions of dollars of ill-gotten treasonous gains. And we also learned that Hunter's art, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really horrible. Hunter's art, which sold for $850,000, sold to a big Democratic donor. And that donor, like almost immediately after buying the art, visited the White House 13 times. And then immediately after that, that donor was named the ambassador to France. Ah, nothing to see here, folks. And back to, shall we say, their attempts at population control without you knowing it. So the Biden administration, in the midst of all this nonsense, very quietly, like behind the scenes, agreed to a legal settlement with a coalition of environmental groups. This was just last Friday. And that restricts oil drilling activity in the Gulf of Mexico. This lawsuit was filed, by the way, in October 2020 at the height of the pandemic. Hmm. Wow. Another coincidence. And the settlement's going to result, say the environmental groups, in additional protections for the rice's whale species. Meanwhile, they're killing whales off the coasts of the entire United States with water-based wind farms. And the net result is the government will no longer lease 11 million acres. That's a lot of land, folks. A lot of sea in the Gulf of Mexico. And there's new speed restrictions for vessels if they're used in the oil and gas industry. It's going to increase transit windows, in other words, transportation time, 25% during the winter months and 40% of the time annually. The speed restrictions, by the way, will not apply to vessels that are associated with any other activities other than fossil fuels. Hmm. Basically, this settlement may render future oil and gas activity in the Gulf prohibitively expensive. Now, you combine that with the additional million barrel cut, which just went into effect a few weeks ago from Saudi Arabia, the supposed 500,000 barrel per day cut by Russia, and Biden's sudden announcement that he was going to refill the strategic oil preserve that he has treasonously drained and sold to China with, I'm sure, checks coming back to him and Hunter. And what does this mean? Oh, less fuel. You remember that heat? Remember that transportation? Remember all that stuff? And higher prices. Remember the economic equation of survival? And despite the fact that climate alarmists have been wrong for 50 years about what's going to happen. Remember Al Gore and John Kerry saying that the polar ice caps would be gone by now, right? While the head mucky mucks including, by the way, Al Gore and Barack Obama, by sea level multi-million dollar estates. I guess they're really worried about the sea levels rising. But President Cadaver has now kind of hinted, and think about the, all these rat-a-tat-tats I already brought you, that, you know, there may be another reason to restrict the free movement of Americans indefinitely. It's this climate change thing, folks. The climate change thing. We're all going to die. Remember what the British are doing. Keep that fear level up. And of course... Everybody's talking about how hot this summer is. It's the hottest year in 30, it's the hottest summer in 30 years, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here's what they're not telling you. And the video is on the website under Ratatatat and under the audio bar and under climate change. And it's by Don Day, a terrific, by the way, weatherman. About three weeks ago, there was a huge eruption of a supervolcano. This is a big boy, the Tonga volcano. It was off the coast of Australia and New Zealand by hundreds of miles. Because it was underwater, no SO2, sulfur dioxide, was released, which these volcanoes normally do. Sulfur dioxide cools the atmosphere. Instead, this volcano emitted virtually none of the good stuff, and it blew, listen to this, 40 trillion gallons, 40 trillion gallons, up into the stratosphere, 
The stratosphere and the lower level of atmosphere next to the Earth rarely mix. So the stratosphere can't cleanse itself too well for a very long time. It basically increased the amount of water vapor surrounding the Earth, this one event, by 13%. And guess what? When you have water vapor in the stratosphere, it acts like a blanket, a warming blanket. But somehow, you know, the mainstream media and the climate folks, they're not telling you this little fact, are they? Watch that video. You'll find it most enlightening. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Remember, look in the mirror, repeat after me, and repeat it with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. Oh, yes, we will. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Reed Lance Rosenthal on the right side.